Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. And Dave, this is a special episode. Is it now? It is. It is episode 200. Whoa! Of the BCJ podcast. I thought about going a star-studded lineup of guests. <laughs> but I think what the people want is talk about UC and the teams and what's going on. And we've got sure, a lot to talk about. So I don't think we need a special episode to commemorate the 200th edition of this here podcast. 200 is it's a lot, dude. We've been we've done this that's podcast a, a lot. That's a lot of a lot of us talking. <laughs> I don't think there would be any better way than to do it exactly like this. The two of us talking about all things related to UC and the Bearcats. Uh, I, ho- I hope I have the proper amount of energy after staying up way too late watching future eight-time Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl champion Joe Burrow <laughs> last night. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Maybe we'll maybe we'll touch on that. I should have. The part of my take guys got him today. I should have seen if we could get Joe Burrow on this podcast. Oh yeah, I'm sure we'd have been right behind, you know, them and Dan Patrick and Scott Van Pelt and whoever else he talked to. Yeah, he could have just told us how close he really was to coming to Cincinnati. Yeah, like, like when he visited and told Luke Fickle he was coming, but he just had to go visit LSU. Yeah. Just had to. Because, well, they agreed. You know, you remember, you know yeah. how those go. We, I, I agreed to go down there. Just going to go check it out. Mm-hmm. But don't but don't worry. I'm coming. You know how many, yeah. those, those go wrong every time. <laughs> yeah, I, usually you don't hear a lot of, like, I'm coming, but I got to go check out this school. And then, like, yeah, I checked it out, and it, it stunk. So I'm, I'm still coming. <laughs> Oh, that'll go down as one of the great what ifs in UC football history, but not not as much simply because won a lot of games here in the last two years. If it would have been two continued years of of struggling to get back on track, that would have been a that would have been a tough pill to swallow watching watching Burrow win a national championship last night. But anyhow, we'll get to, we'll maybe get to a little bit more of that later. Um, join us Thursday night. Our second watch party for the Bearcats at the Holy Grail Banks. We had a great time last time. Moegger showed up. Tony Pike showed up. They sat in a VIP section over in the corner off to themselves, as you would uh, anticipate with two high-powered local celebrities of their magnitude. Uh, Mo's daughter was all about the French fries. Mo asked her, who are you? Who do you root for? She looked at him and she said, "French fries." Oh, <laughs> undefeated. Yeah. When it, when have French fries ever lost? Not very often. I mean, it takes a lot to mess up a French fry, and the Holy Grail Banks does not mess up French fries. I had French fries. I had a Philly cheesesteak, some French fries. Very good, very good stuff on Saturday. We had a uh, almost full house. Very good for Saturday at noon on the same night as divisional championship NFL weekend. But let's show them what we can do Thursday night. Pack the Holy Grail as the Bearcats take on Memphis in FedEx Forum. Should be an excellent opportunity for this team that looks like it's starting to come together to really test themselves and see if they can get a big road scalp. So we'll see you there. I will be there. Dave, you've got the baby and work. You got a new job. You're probably not going to be there, are you? Yeah, probably not. Kids, kids a little under the weather right now. So, yeah, you're going to get be, to uh, one of these before the season's over, though, right? Oh yeah, I would fully anticipate that. Okay. Before we get into basketball, what was that? Before we get into basketball, we have a lot to talk about uh, as well on the football side. So let's let's dip into some of that first. 
And uh, as has been noted last night, I got to say, we, we haven't played the guessing game on Bearcat Journal in a long time. And I don't know if you followed along last night as I, I posted one hint. And our members got the hint in like 30 seconds. And that we hint don't have was... The, we don't have the smartest message board on 24-7 for nothing. Wait, that, that's very true. I mean... Somebody posted, and, and obviously somebody that, that is uh, fairly in the know posted that they might be trading the truck in for a car. I posted a GIF of a Ford Mustang, and within minutes, the entire board had figured out that Cincinnati is involved with Alabama transfer running back Jerome Ford. Ford was a redshirt freshman for the Crimson Tide, four-star, top 300 recruit. He started one game for Alabama this year, ran, I think, 24 times for 140-something yards, three touchdowns. 24 for 114 and three, yeah. so almost five yards a carry. Yeah. Uh, 5'11", right around 210, uh, reportedly ran a 4-4-1, uh, 40-time at Alabama this year. He is very fast, and he is a guy that um, UC was and Gino Gadulli was very enamored with coming out of high school. And then right around signing day, Alabama got in the picture. And if you're a running back and Alabama's in the picture, you go to Alabama. Yeah, why, why wouldn't you? Well, people, why would you go to Alabama? They've got all these running backs. And it's like, well, they've got all these running backs because if you win the starting running back job at Alabama, you punch your ticket to the NFL. And generally is a very high draft pick. And there's also usually a pretty good chance you're going to be in Heisman consideration. So that's why you go to Alabama if Alabama comes calling. Um, but And up until this year, it was a given you were going to the playoffs. So correct. why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? But Ford uh, entered the transfer portal on Wednesday. There is a very tight relationship with Gino Gadulli. Um, from what I've heard, Ford... Uh, also built a, a pretty good relationship with Luke Fickle during the recruiting process. South Florida is definitely uh, trying to be involved. Um, we saw on the, the USF 24-7 site that their their lead football guy predicted Ford to Cincinnati, uh, citing that relationship that he had with Luke Fickle and wanting to come to a program that is on stable footing. Uh, I'm sure it can't hurt that Mike Warren just left for the NFL. I think that probably um, is very much a feather in UC's cap on this, but Dave, that would, uh, that would put that running running back room back on very solid footing. If all of a sudden you entered Jerome Ford into the mix with Jared Dokes, Charles McClellan, Ryan Montgomery and Ethan Wright uh, as we head into spring football. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of have you have a little a little bit of everything, and uh, you know you wouldn't be, you know, we kind of felt kind of dealt with it a little bit this year at the beginning of the year when when Chuck went down and then Dokes was was banged up a little bit. You really only had Warren and Montgomery, so it gives you a little bit more flexibility, you know. So. I would be in, in big favor of the addition. So hopefully, you know, it uh, comes to fruition. And I do think there would, I think they would get full cooperation from Nick Saban on a waiver uh, if possible. I, I do not think Saban would, would get in the way of that. Um, he is in of a much different mindset than some other jerks for lack of a better term that that coached up up north um yeah so i think it would be uh, i think there would be a good shot the at a waiver i don't think it would be a sure thing by any stretch because it's the ncaa i just don't think there would be uh alabama standing in the way i think alabama would uh sign off on it and would not cause issues 
So we'll see. Uh, I know Cincinnati is definitely involved. Don't quite have a, uh, a full timeline, but transfers, Dave, anything can happen. They're yeah. on their own time schedule. They, <laughs> they can do whatever the hell they want, basically, at this point in time. But classes at UC started today. Uh, if he is going to be somebody that, that enrolls early, I think it's two weeks before you have to start officially start classes. I think there's like, like it might be like seven, somewhere between seven and ten school days. Um, that you've got a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of space to play with there. So, yeah, there's usually a, a little bit of a buffer of when you can start and it be official or I know this because when you can drop classes and it not <laughs> hurt you. Right. Um, so yeah, usually it's about two weeks, I think. So we have our eye on that. We will keep you updated. Um, Let's talk about Mike a little bit, because that that has happened since we have recorded last. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss watching that guy run, because you know Isaiah Pede was probably more electric, probably you know more explosive, more that home run hitter. Yeah, but yeah, it's not. I don't think that's really in in debate. There was always something about. Watching Mike Warren turn a loss of two into a gain of four. And it felt like he did it a hundred times while he was here. He didn't have the greatest offensive line. They, you know, especially 2018 was, was good. 2019 because of the injuries and the, and the youth and the inexperience, um, not quite as good, but what he did and and the the energy and and the juice that he brought to this program, people aren't going to forget for a long, long time around Cincinnati. No, he had, you know, it's nice when you have great production on a winning team, and you can couple that with you know a great personality that makes you know makes you easy to root for. Uh, I think the thing that I appreciated and enjoyed the most about him and his his actual, you know, football game was that you just always felt confident that, all right, they need two, Mike's going to get two. Or they need three, Mike's going to get three. He's going to figure out a way to get it done. And, you know, for the most part, I'd say the vast majority of the time, regardless of what was going on at quarterback, what was going on on the offensive line, he he kind of always delivered. And you know that's that's the mark of a great running back. And you know, especially two years ago, we saw that early in the season when he was getting you know thirty carries a game, and yeah. you just expected at some point, man, this guy's just going to get worn down and he got better as the games would go on and he'd get more carries and you know he'd be the first to tell you he's not exactly an Adonis so you know he's in that Marshawn Lynch you know body type and to just see him keep going and keep making plays and keep keep getting the tough yards when the other team knew exactly what was going on is just, it, it's pretty, pretty incredible career that he had in, in basically, you know, basically two seasons. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the part that like he was what the, the yardage record would have been tough to, to get to. Um, I think he probably would have done it, but it would have been tough if he would have stayed. But if he stayed even, in, you know, three games in the next year, he was probably going to be the all-time touchdown leader, the all-time rushing touchdown leader. He was going to move himself into very, very lofty and elite company here at the University of Cincinnati. And to do that really in two years, it's pretty remarkable. And it just shows how good, how consistent, how steady he was the entire time. Yeah, he was- 
I mean, like he was probably the most reliable. I mean, would you say most reliable player on the team the last couple of years? Yeah, I'd say the only person I would put maybe close and, and Mike would get the edge um, would be Perry Young. Mike would get the edge because Perry missed the back end of last year with an injury. Yeah. But Perry always felt like you could count on eight tackles. Every time, you know what I mean? Right. You could count on Perry being, and, and B. Wright was right up there as well. Because of the way they asked B. Wright to play, I think his his counting stats might have been a little bit more volatile. Um, But I, I mean, that's, that's part of the thing, though. Like, that's more than anything what I worry about. B. Wright was very, Brian Wright was very much an emotional leader on the defense. Perry was very much the energy on the defense and Mike was kind of both of those, both of those roles on the offense. Um, so I do think there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period for this team, especially going through the spring and the summer to see who kind of steps up and fills those roles. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, a major concern, but I do think Dave, it's going to, it's going to test some of this depth that has been built because you not only need dudes, you need dudes like Mike that came to work every day and loved playing football, you know, just really provided the team with that everyday grind, that mentality of, of, of working his way through it. And now you're looking at, you've lost three pretty important guys in that, in that respect. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, those are, you know, the, some of the most important and impactful guys on both sides of the ball. So it would definitely be a lot yeah, but I'm, to replace I'm saying there. it's not just, it, not just on the field. I think all three of those guys off the field filled really important roles. That's one thing from last year to this year, I think, you know, this team didn't see much of a drop-off from – when a really important group of senior leaders left last year to what they saw this year, now you're getting into, you know, a, 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 again, a new set of leaders and you're doing so now without Mike. Um, I think it's one of those things that's going to be interesting to watch as we get through the spring um, and, and into fall camp is who kind of steps up in those, those energy, those emotional leader type roles. Um, right. You know, cause Wiggins is Mr. Happy. Yeah. Forrest doesn't say a whole lot. Kobe doesn't say a whole lot. I don't know if any of the guys on the defensive line spoke all season. <laughs> <laughs> they just clocked in for work and, and, and brought their lunch pail. I'll be interested defensively to see how who kind of becomes that that emotional leader that can, you know, and I, the, the early leader in the clubhouse will probably be Jarrell. Cause he can be, he, he's got a lot of, a lot of be right to him. Very yeah. emotional player. Yeah. It'd be interesting just because like, you know, when you have a couple guys that have filled that type of role for more than one year, then it's just kind of understood like those are the guys. So then when you have to replace both of them at the same time, it's going to be interesting to see who kind of kind of steps up in that, in that role. And, you know, offensively you would expect it to be Des. Oh yeah. Third year starter at quarterback time for you, time for you to be the heartbeat, you know, and Mike, Mike did give him a little bit of wiggle room on that because even we saw it no more clearer than, than this year. If things were struggling, there was one person the ball was going to, and he was wearing number three. Yeah. You know, Dokes has a little bit of, Dokes is a little bit more soft-spoken than Mike. Still plays with great energy, and, you know, I, I don't think that part is a problem. But offensively, this is going to have to turn into Dez's team. 
Because I think they, another guy offensively they lose that provides a lot of that energy is De, was Deguara. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to – now I'm ready to see Big Lenny step into that role. Yeah. But – so where, where would you have Mike on your uh, – and, and we'll start from the D'Antonio era forward. On your your top what top ten or top five list? How high would you have him? Oh man, I haven't even like thought about that. So like, just like of my personal favorites or like, yeah, players of your personal like guy fan favorites, like guys that you just enjoyed uh, watching play. Let's see, I re- Marty Connor. Um, yeah, I think Mike would probably get the nod big, over Connor because Mike had more production, right? I was a big Wolf guy. <laughs> okay, because he he was like the first dude of that size and ability that you see had ever had, where he went up against some guys and it was just it was gross watching people try to block him. Yeah, that's fair. Um. Mickens. All American. I mean, Mickens is all American. Mickens get probably the, the, the best. <laughs> the best actual, you know, college football player in this t- in this time frame. So Mike would probably probably be around five, maybe six. He's, yeah, he's, he's easily in the top ten. I mean, somewhere yeah. in your top. Five to ten, probably, just depending on what you, you know, what you think and your age, I guess. Like how much you paid attention in, to the mid two thousands versus uh, the last, you know, five to seven years. I would agree. Unfortunately, you know, the 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 lost years of the Tuberville years. There's just like four years you flush, and that's not fair to those guys. No, not at all. But those teams weren't as fun to watch. Like, that's just, if we're being honest, that's just kind of reality, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So. Unfortunate from a fan's perspective, but from Mike's perspective, like, I totally get it. Don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is something that I, I mean, I I don't want to say, like, I felt it was a foregone conclusion, but. I I would have been pretty darn surprised if he would have come back for his senior year. Same here. And that's, I, you know, I tried to treat it with him a similar way I did with Jacob Evans. Although with Jake, I was a little more certain because Jake had told me he was going more likely than not. Mike never said yeah. that. Mike never said that directly. Although I'll, I'll I'll pull back the curtain a little bit, we were having um, <coughs> it was right around when the the O nine team was coming in for their reunion, and it was a Tuesday, Luke Fickle press conference, and um, we were talking about you know them being the greatest team in UC history. And Mike overheard it, and, you know, Mike's a comp- ultimate competitive guy. Mike's like, man, they ain't the greatest team in UC history. And I was like, well, they, they went 12-0. and 0. You guys have a loss. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, yeah. I, have, I have to stop. I have to stop you. We have breaking breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Jerome we Ford. Don't, we, we don't have a breaking news siren or anything. We're not that we advanced. Are, but no. Go ahead. Jerome Ford is committed to Cincinnati. You go yeah, ahead and talk here just, for a minute because I've got work to do. Yeah, just recently, as of seven minutes ago, sent out a tweet. God's plan, prayer emoji, and a lovely graphic of uh, himself in, in a UC uniform. And doing what looks like the 
a, a Heisman pose of some type. It looks like he will be number 24. Jerome Ford running back, Tampa, Florida. So See? it never never hurts to add a a transfer from Alabama. And I'm about to send out a, a tweet that I think I may maybe had made sometime earlier. We won't say exactly how much earlier. But... <laughs> This has been bubble. And now, I have to, now, now the curtain now is back. To, the curtain is back. This has been bubble. I now have to edit it, I realize, before I send it out because uh, I had some time-sensitive information in it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can send it. There we go. It's off. But, uh, yeah. So, I think... This is what this is what this portal and early sign like there is I find it hard to believe there are many coaches in the country who are happier about having an early signing period and this transfer portal the way it is than Luke Fickle. Yes. Because it allows them to recruit like they have been the last couple of years with high school kids and build those relationships and get all those dudes signed in December and then go mining <laughs> for difference makers uh, in the transfer portal. I think we've even maybe touched on it a little bit in that I think the late signing period has started to and will continue to move more towards transfers and away from high school kids. I think more and more high school kids are going to sign in December. Now, you're, you're top 50. You're going to have a percentage of those that wait because they want their, their moment or they want to take all their visits to the, to the big schools when, when the big schools see who – left early for the draft and then maybe have a spot that they didn't foresee or something happens like that. But now, now it's where you see can come in and go, Hey, we've won 11 games in a row. You know, 11 games, two straight years. We got all these guys coming back. Where, where are you going to go? realistically where you probably don't get on the field right away or at least in some capacity and have as good of a chance for double digit wins and a conference title than you would at UC. And I think that especially in this situation, when you're talking about transfers from Ohio state, Alabama, places that do win a lot, exactly what you just said is what makes Cincinnati more and more attractive. So credit to, to Luke, credit to Gino, credit to Doug Phillips. This is a situation where they, <laughs> we just got done talking about it. They just had a guy, the first ever guy. From Cincinnati to declare early for the draft. That was Friday. It is Tuesday. And they have replaced him. With a four star. Alabama transfer. To restock. The running back room. So. That's. uh, Somebody. One the, the first. Reply. To uh, my tweet that they had landed him is give Fickle all the monies. <laughs> I, I think they're trying. I concur. I think you just don't have a lot of the monies. <laughs> well, find all of them and, and give, give them, them to him. And give them to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So we didn't. I knew that was possible 
at some point in time tonight. Uh, that's why we, we danced very delicately around the subject when we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. What I figured, Dave, and we talked about, Dave and I talked about this before the show, what was going to happen was we were going to stop recording at 9 o'clock and he was going to announce it like 9.03. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we weren't going to have the news here on this podcast. But there's the news. Jerome Ford has transferred to Cincinnati. Bearcat Journal, were you here the news second, only after Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're number two. Clearly number two. Um. All right, let's do. Let's let's move to basketball. We're on a we're on a two game winning streak, Dave. The Bearcats got their first road win of the season against UCF. They did it with a convincing stretch at the end of the game. Dominated the final five minutes. If you have followed this team at all this year, dominating the final five minutes is not something. That has been associated with this team, especially away from Fifth Third Arena. So for me, in that respect alone, it was an important development to see from this team that they were able to get stops. That they were able to get some points on the board. And they were able to take what was a six-point lead with five minutes left. A type of lead that we have seen them... Screw up more often than not. They took that six point lead and turned it into a 14 point win. And that was something that we have been waiting for from this group from the outset. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what we talked about last week going on the road. You know, you're going to have lulls in offense. You're going to miss shots from time to time. And they, that was kind of the first half. But were you gonna? Were they gonna be able to get the stops to to keep those instances from getting out of hand? And you know, yes, they played much better offensively in the second half. But the reason they won that game was they played. I mean, infinite. I thought at least. I know coach thought they played pretty well in the first half defensively. I thought they were giving up a lot at the rim against a team that doesn't shoot the ball from the outside. I think that's where my frustration was. But they really guarded in the second half. I mean, they. I think I tweeted out they had 14 points on non – or 15 points on non-free throws in the second half. I think they made six baskets in the second half, nine turnovers. I mean, the reason they won the game was that they played great defense in the second half. Because even if they wouldn't have shot as well as they would as they did, they still probably would have won. It's because actually the defensive de- effort was there and the rebounding was there and they didn't turn the ball over. The three things we talked about last week that they had to do on the road, they did. Did you listen to John's presser today? Did you have a chance? I did not. Mm-mm. He actually talked about something I've talked about uh, several times when it comes to those like the backdoor cuts that we saw that they gave up in the first half. You know what that was uh, in relation to? No. The veterans continuing to to have difficulty getting their brain away from playing the matchup zone. Right, like you flash out to a guy and then well, when he leaves your area, you kind of just let him go. <laughs> it's like you're st- you have an open stance when you're playing the zone because you're passing people off, right? And in relation to if it, you know if you play basketball at all, you've heard "ball you man." Well, when you're in an open stance, it's "ball you man," but you're you know you're wide. When you're in a closed stance, it's "ball you man." You're directly in between. Three times. And Keith is probably the worst at it. Three times they got caught in an open stance and the guy goes back door. Against the zone, that doesn't necessarily matter because you've got somebody standing there at the rim saving your butt. And man-to-man, it matters a lot more because you don't know at all times 
That big guy could be, you know, if, if the play design is right, you pull the big out on a, on a pick and roll, you d- back cut to the rim. If you catch the guy in an open stance, it's an easy layup. So some of that, like that's how hard it can be to get those guys to completely change what they're doing. To completely change their instinct. To completely change like who they are as a player. And it's a lot of times it's the little stuff that takes the longest to change. And little stuff being just instinctively guys revert to what they were taught playing that zone because they played it for two and three and in Trey's case, four years, like it becomes second nature and you're, you're still in a position where you're working that out of your system. And it's just, and that's not to make an excuse for anybody that it's just harder than I think people realize to change what has been completely drilled into your head over and over and over again for years. And you still see lapses. It's one thing to play a bunch of defenses. And today we're going to play man because this team can really shoot it. And Saturday we're going to play zone because, you know, they're not as athletic and and they don't shoot from the outside. But they've been strictly that defense for a long time. And guys like Trey and Keith and Jaron, that's all they do. I mean, would you say they played a game's worth of time of man-to-man all of last year? No. So to to, to do that, to, to play that much zone, you could practice it all you want, but when you get into the game and you – it's not that they're not listening or not – trying but like you just your kind of muscle memory takes over like oh this guy's over here he just passed he's gonna cut through i'm gonna call him out and i'm gonna let him go and oh crap they just passed him the ball and he just dunked it right so that part like that part it has been more than anything that part has been difficult in terms of the transition um but overall i thought the zone they faced against UCF, kind of confused them early. And then as they started to figure it out, they were missing shots. Shots that they generally have been making. So it was good to see they didn't let that get them down. And they figured it out and got things moving. And then in the second half, what they were doing that was working in the first half but not resulting in baskets, now they started getting points off of it, and that fueled the run, and they were able to pull away. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Trey had a really nice game. I think he was kind of that high post, you know, point forward type that you need on the zone that can make the smart pass, and then if they – Stag off, he's a threat to hit that, you know, 12 to 15 footer. I thought that kind of got everything going. Because once you hit a couple of those, then you get collapsed on from all angles, and that kind of opened things up a little bit for, uh, you know, for, Jay- for Javen. And, you know, Jaron didn't have a scoring game, but, I mean, he had another – Seven assist. I mean, his assist totals are, I think, over five in three or four straight games. Yeah, he's had 15 in the last two games. So he's not, you know, he's not. That's the thing you worry about, I think, sometimes when you got a guy that was your your go-to guy last year and he's had a struggle of it, whether it's from injuries and are just missing shots, and you're like, well, is he going to start pressing now that we're in conference play and and he has it, which is which is good because he's gonna eventually get hot. Like he's too good of a player to to just not you know go the whole season and and shoot thirty percent from three and right and stuff like that. So it's good to see that he's you know understanding that right now the, my best way to contribute and to help us win is to draw attention and get other guys easy buckets. 
And you can you can shade him a little easier in a zone as well. Like well, for sure. I mean, and we're and you know, and obviously not everybody's gonna play zone because not everybody plays zone. But like, and until they string some stuff together of more than just ten minutes here or half there, they're still gonna see a lot of it just because teams are gonna go. Yeah, it's not really our thing to play zone, but they're just not shooting the ball very well right now. So we're gonna make them beat us doing that. And rightfully so. That's what coaches should do. If a team has a weakness, you do whatever exploits the exploits that weakness. So, um now it now it ramps up. They had a, you know, we've talked about this over the past 2 weeks. They had a favorable start to the conference. Four winnable games. They ended up going 3 and 1. Which you would like to have that Tulane game back, of course. Of course, right now is UCF is is smacking Tulane um, <laughs> at, at Tulane because you never know in this this conference right now. No idea what's going to happen in this conference from night to night. Um, but they go three and one. That puts them at second in the conference. Which three and one was kind of worst. Like you had to at least go three and one over this four game stretch. Because it heats yeah. up, and it heats up fast starting Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the league is totally up for grabs, but like we've kind of talked about, another road test. Need to build off of it. Admittedly, the beginning, not exactly the top, or at least the expected top of the league. Right. So, you know. I, I want to I – mean, we even kind of talked about this the other day. It feels very, I don't know, funny, odd, what, what the necessarily the word is, but for as up and down of things as things have been, we're not, I don't think we're far away from saying they're the best team in the league right now, but they, I don't, now they have to go, to go to Memphis and prove that. Yeah, and it, you know what? Without Wiseman, this Memphis team is is good, but they're beatable. Well, sure you know they. What I mean? No, they were they were road games, but they got bully balled against Wichita, which is, can happen on the road, especially there, and against a, a team that's predominantly freshman and sophomore. And then I wouldn't say they were lucky, but, I mean, they were down 14 in the second half at USF and came back and won, which shows a lot of what they are because, I mean, a lot of teams might have packed it in. And, for again, for freshmen and sophomores to come back on the road, and they pretty much shut South Florida out for about the last four minutes, five minutes of the game. But there are a bunch of young guys still trying to figure out I mean, even though we're about 15, 16 games in, we're still trying to figure out what their roles are without the probably the bet one of, if not the best player in the country, that they were all expecting to eat up a 30 to 35 minutes and, and you know, 20 and 10 a game. Yeah, I, I think they have found a little bit of an identity by playing Alex Lomax and Tyler Harris together. The one thing that does, yeah, I think, makes, makes them very them really small. small, very small. So you you might see more of Jared in the post, like against UConn and and Vital, um, because neither one of those two guys and those two guys, I think, are even smaller and slighter than than Vital is. So yeah, well, Lomax is not slight. Lomax is a tank. Yeah, that's that's true, but he's also what five nine. He's not big, but he's a tank. Um, <laughs> well, he's not, uh, Harris, not, I don't care how, how much of a tank he is. He's not pushing Jaron off no, the block. No. Now, Harris is slight. But Harris is one of those guys, if he gets heated up, he can drop four or five threes on you in ten minutes. Now, he's he's very hot and cold. 
So, you know, you're much more likely probably to see that at home from him than you are on the road. So it's in play for uh, for Thursday night. Yeah. But, you know. They're also, it, a, real, they're also a real big turnover team, too. Yes, um, both ways. They create I, a lot of them. It, they give up a lot of them. Even more so than, than you see. I mean, I I haven't looked in the last week or so, but they were like over 17 a game the last yeah. time I looked. They haven't brought it down any, that's for sure. So. So if you see can lock in and play the type of defense we saw for the majority of the UCF game, I mean, as much as we kind of belabor some of the breakdowns in the first half, they still only gave up, what, 28 points, 32 points, something like that? Yeah. So it wasn't all in all out terrible defense. I mean, UCS is not a good offensive team, so that right that, that plays a little bit into it, of course. That also played but, into I mean, the frustration is... those first 10 minutes of that game when they were shooting 70% from the field. Right. Um, <laughs> but they came back down to earth uh, in terms of their averages. One thing that's going to be important in this game, I- I- extremely important, is Chris Vogt. Because Memphis is, I believe, number one in the country in two-point defense. Wow. They're way up there. And they do a they do an elite job protecting the rim, even without Wiseman. Scary to think, you know, where they would be if Wiseman was on the floor. But Precious Achua and, and, and the guys that they've got on their back line, very good at the rim. This is going to be a game they're gonna they're gonna have to rely on Chris Vote to be steady. He can't have a game like he had against UCF where he went six for ten. Sixty percent, not gonna cut it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well he can't get in foul trouble, that's for sure. No, that's that's definitely for sure. Um that is awesome. There's think about that. There's a guy on the team that he goes six for ten. And it's a bad night. <laughs> but that's yeah, you... just a little, just a little bit of the shooting slump. Yeah, but he is going to be critical. Him and also Trey Scott at at getting the ball up on the rim and and making things happen in terms of production uh, for Cincinnati, because we're probably going to see something similar to what we saw against UConn. When the guards drive, there's going to be blocked shots. You're just going to have to live with that when your your smaller guys go to the rim against a team that's elite two-point defense. Your big guys, and, and where your big guys can have huge nights are getting those block shots on the weak side. Because the weak side defender comes over, he blocks the shot. Trey Scott, Chris Vogt, those guys are going to be right there get it, put it back in, and all of a sudden a block shot turns into two points. So, you know, that I think is going to be one of the biggest keys for this game. Right. I mean, I, we seem to keep having the same the same keys, but, I mean, I'm, I'm actually not real concerned off, offensively. My keys are – are going to just continue to be turnovers, defense, and rebounding because I think those are the three areas they can continue to make the most strides in on a game by game basis. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think I think it's going to. Um, I think it'll be kind of a mucked up game because both teams, you know, have a tendency to turn the ball over, and Memphis. Oh, it's is probably going to be afraid. sloppy. Memphis is not afraid to play fast, so it's it could be up and down, but it could be a lot of whistles from balls going out of bounds and, and stuff like that. But but you know when you have a team like that and you, against a team that has some veterans, you, you just I don't you're not sure. So I I'm, wouldn't be surprised if they went in there and won. 
<clears throat> I mean, and, and as has been pointed out, the two teams are very close in Ken Palm. This game is going to be expected to be a pretty close one. Um, it's a situation where you've got a golden opportunity. You go to four and one, you got a road win at Memphis on your resume. For all the, the struggle that this team had leading up to this point, you, you throw that out there, you put that on your resume, and all of a sudden, Dave, they're picking up a lot of momentum as we get into the middle of January and get into kind of that middle of January to the middle of February, that dog days kind of month um, where you're grinding out conference games. And, and then all of a sudden, you've won four or five in the conference. Now you're starting to feel really good about yourself, and now you're starting to feel like, you know what? This is our conference. The guys well, on the, the team are starting you, to feel like this is our league. If you can get this one, you're back at the top, and everyone is looking at you going, man, we thought this was the year we could get them. Yep. And now they're still there, and now they've got three vets who know how to grind it out into January, into February, where a lot of the other teams, especially at the top, have lost those vets that they knew they could go to to get a bucket or to get fouled and get two big free throws in a game that, you know, it's gotten sloppy and you just need, need to settle it down and get a couple easy buckets or easy points. Now you sees the team with those guys, so it's you know it's a it's a huge swing game. I mean, we figured it would be, but it's kind of how things have shaken out early in the in the schedule and in the league schedule. It's if you can grab that one, get that road win, it kind of sets you apart a little bit from the rest of the group. <laughs> Are you there, Chad? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. Had to turn oh. on for a second. Um, <laughs> you're looking at a Wichita State team that they, those guys, that last year, that was an entirely new roster. So And they struggled. So that team hasn't really ever, heck, you saw what happened to them at UConn. Up nine with, with 130 left, up seven with, with under a minute left. And UConn gets that thing to double overtime. Now, they couldn't close it out, but you saw a little bit of that where where Wichita State couldn't take care of the ball, couldn't make free throws, couldn't do the things necessary to win down the stretch. This Memphis team is the youngest team in the country. Houston doesn't have their two studs from a year ago in Corey Davis and Hermione Brooks. So, if you're looking at as this thing starts to separate a little, I think those four teams are probably going to be the top four teams in the league, right? Yeah. Cincinnati has a decided advantage and experience and know-how to win those games in this conference, home and away. Well, in, they in have a close to game, to put it together. Yeah, in a close game with those four teams, who do you trust to make the play at the end? on each team and I'm not sure anyone else but UC has a guy that they're trusting explicitly to be like oh yeah we're putting the ball in his hand because we know he's going to either score get fouled or, or dish it for for a bucket yep what's your pick for Thursday night oh I, I want to say win, but I gotta I gotta see it still. I mean, it's gonna be a tough place to play. They're gonna be it's gonna be packed. So I'm gonna say a close loss, but you know, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me in the least if they if they pulled it out. Just need to see, you know, those things that we talked about a little, you know, from a little bit longer stretches, especially on the road. 
I think I'm going to pull the trigger. I don't feel great about it. I don't feel great about it because I do think it's going to be close. You never know close games on the road. I do feel like I need to see it more consistently. But ultimately, I think this team has the horses to get the job done when the chips are down. I'm going to go Cincinnati. And I think it's oh, going to be doing most... We're doing a score? Yeah, yeah I'm going to do a score. Oh. I'm going to go Cincinnati. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think Memphis is tough to score on. I'm going to go 61-59 Cincinnati wins. Yeah, I was thinking like 64-60 Memphis. All right. Well, I, I made a, I made a, I made a trade, Dave. We're gonna have a new sponsor for this podcast. Another one? I thought we just got a new sponsor. We got a title sponsor. Oh, okay. We're gonna have a new sponsor for this podcast. I don't have all the information yet. I'm gonna give it a, a preview plug right now. I have traded columns from Justin Berg. For sponsorship for his landscaping business. <laughs> I think that's a fair seems deal, like, right? It seems like a win for for everybody. So that way, any of you guys out there that need some landscaping work done in your yard, you'll have the direct line to Justin Berg. He's got a great landscaping business. That's the main reason he had to step away. He's had great success with his landscaping business. He had to focus a lot of his time and attention on that this season. But I knew, Dave, I knew. I knew he couldn't stop writing. So I left the door open. And we have come to an agreement. He's going to continue writing articles in exchange for some publicity here in this space for his landscaping business. Now, here's the thing, guys. I'm going to need you to call Justin and get him to do your landscaping so he'll continue to write columns for us right that's how this works yeah it's usually usually how it works you throw him some business he'll throw us some content you get to read justin berg's excellent content because so i know it's you know it's been missing i think brent has done a phenomenal job filling in he's starting to really find his voice he's doing a great job but everybody loved justin berg and they want to hear from justin berg so next week I will have the information for you as we get closer to the spring. Everybody's starting to get their plans together, get their landscaping done. Next week, I'll have a number. Actually, you know what? I wonder if he'll answer his phone. I'm going to text him. This makes for great radio. It does make for, it does make for great podcasting and radio. <laughs> Here, everyone, I mean, hold on while I look up a phone number and see if someone will answer it. That's why you uh, while talk. While you're doing that, while that's you're why doing you talk. That, yeah. I will say we have been uh, terrible in this fact of letting people know that the BCJ podcast is on iTunes. You can search it by it just putting in BCJ podcast. Subscribe, like, we'd appreciate it. It'll come up. When there's a new one, it'll pop up right on your phone. If you subscribe, you can get the BCJ podcast before anybody else gets it, I think. So subscribe, like. We've been terrible letting people know that that's a way that they can find it. Put it in with all your other daily podcasts or weekly podcasts that you listen to and make sure you are up to date on everything you see. Justin. Yes, sir. So I was just explaining to the people our arrangement going forward. Yeah, and I, I you didn't you didn't send me the the information, so I need to know how can these people reach out and get schedule to have their landscaping taken care of by BCJ legend Justin Berg. Oh. <laughs> Well, the website is almost ready, but for now, just message me on the website. Okay. And we'll or come take Twitter. a look at your yard. Yeah, or on Twitter. That, that'll also work. 
So, and when the website it. is live, we will we will send you to the website here in this space. I let them know, Justin. If you enjoy Justin Berg's content, the the way to get more Justin Berg content is to send all of your landscaping business to Justin Berg. So then you'll feel obligated. <laughs> well, well, and then and then I'll be on your property, and then you can just talk to me about Bearcats basketball for two straight hours or a whole day or whatever. You can bug me while we're doing the work. Yeah. Then it'll take him twice as long to do your landscaping, and he'll still charge you the same amount. So it's, it's, <laughs> no, I think we win for everybody. We'll, we'll do a promotion for Bearcat fans. We'll come up with something. Wait, wait, what, no what's the what's it. the what's the code going to be? What's the the promotion code going to be, Justin? Do we know? You got you got any clever ideas? Well, I know uh, it's going to be something to do with fourteen. Yeah. No, it's going to be something to do with 14, Dunky. probably like 14% off or something because of air kicks. <laughs> you're not you're, uh, what, 11% for Gary Clark is too low? Oh, that's actually, yeah. I, I, I was going too high with the 14. I should probably go with the 11. Or, you know what 14 plus 11 is? Because you're trying to put him out of business. <laughs> now you're taking. Now you're taking. Now you're taking all my money. <laughs> no, nobody's taking given, my profit. Nobody's given twenty five percent. Let the man eat, for God's sake. He's got a child. <laughs> we'll have we'll have two codes, one for Eric Hicks, one for for Gary Clark. You can pick one, and if you pick the Gary Clark one, you're a hell of a human being. That's true. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> All right, well, that was it, Justin. I just we, we I was explaining the deal to the listeners, preparing them for the fact that we are trading uh, business for your uh, uh, landscaping company for Bearcats basketball content. And because your content is so important to the members of Bearcat Journal, we need to do everything we can to support the landscaping business. And that way the Berg family is happy and the Bearcat Journal family is happy. Which is why this ar- 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 arrangement, this agreement, has come to fruition, right? Yes, sir. Everybody wins. Thank you. What What are your before we, we're we're getting ready to end this thing? What are your thoughts on Thursday night at FedEx Forum? Well, I I, I put a message on uh, on the message board, but I think this just it, this comes down to a few things that are, are typical things that you need to do to win on the road. But I would say. <clears throat> the way that Memphis is playing and how good they are defensively and how scary they are at blocking shots and stuff, I still wouldn't shy away from going to the hole. I think you're going to have to get to the foul line in this game. It may be tough, but Memphis is known to foul. Memphis will turn the ball over, things like that. Um, I think you got to just do it, Brandon, you know, the whole 94 feet deal. Pressure them into turnovers and force them to foul you and attack, attack, attack on both ends and don't just settle for a bunch of jumpers. That's that would be my that's pretty much my uh, formula for every road game though. I don't I just hate I hate settling for jump shots on the road. It just seems like it's just a low percentage game there. So go to the hole hard and pressure the H E L L out of these guys. You can say hell on this podcast. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> yeah, that's why I figured you could. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it, I, well, know, I, there was there was a while that we were unsure about, you know, because we got yelled at by Dan Horde for say for Dave saying a bad word and his son was in the car. Um, but then we got the approval from Dan Horde. The next time we said a bad word, we said sorry, Dan. And Dan likes the sorry Dan. He likes the hashtag sorry <laughs> Dan. Uh, so if you ever want to drop a cuss word on Twitter, if you just has, hashtag it sorry Dan, it's okay. Um, but you're more than welcome to say hell in this podcast. You just have to follow it up with sorry, Dan. That's one of the new rules since uh, since your last appearance on the BCJ podcast, Bergie. Okay, now are either of you two predicting a W? I Thursday? did. I did predict a W. Sixty-one fifty-nine. Mm. Wow. I, I'm, okay. I'm hesitant. I'm not. I'm not overly confident in it yet, but I I think um, seeing enough progression in this team that I think they're ready to, to to make it clear that they are still very much somebody to be reckoned with in this conference, and I think they win the game. Okay. I mean, I think Memphis, offensively, just they're all over the place. They're, they're right. not very consistent. And UC is starting to become consistent offensively, so they, so they should have the edge there. And then, I mean, you would give the edge to Memphis defensively, especially at home. 
because it'll probably be hard for UC to make outside shots. But, um, yeah, I mean, if Jaron's going to just become Jaron again like he's starting to do and, and all the all the pieces are starting to kind of find their place, then, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question for, for the Bearcats to win this game. I wouldn't predict it, though. Yeah, I so I'm not going to go as far as you. I think they'll hang. I think they'll. I think they'll battle. I don't feel great predicting it, but you know somebody's got to take that leap. And I'm never <laughs> yeah. afraid to take you're... that leap. All right, you're the one. All right, Thursday night I will be at the official Bearcat Journal watch party at the Holy Grail on the banks. Come down, join me. We'll see what dignitaries show up this time. Tony Pike, Mo Egger were in the house at the last one. Could be some more this time. I'm working on it. But come down, watch the Bearcats take on Memphis. Have yourself a beverage, cocktail, get some grub, and hopefully a Bearcats win. Berg, sorry to bug you, but no, you're free, fine. it was for your own good. Yeah. Did you get we'll, the text we'll take, we'll take warning? We'll take Did you get the text warning three seconds before I called you? Yeah, and I was like thinking, <laughs> wait, what is it? Is this for not for the radio? It's nine o'clock at night. But then I, I then it makes sense. Podcast. Yeah, appreciate Dave, it. No problem. Thank you, Bergie. Dave, thanks as yes, always. We will talk soon. Thank you. How about Jerome Ford, the newest Bearcat? Nice little. Now you got Jared Doak, Charles McClellan, Ryan Montgomery. Jerome Ford, Ethan Wright. I think that's a pretty, pretty solid stable of running backs for the 2020 Cincinnati Bearcats. And a lot to look forward to when we start doing practice reports from spring practice. So the hits just keep on coming here at Bearcat Journal. Stay tuned. There's never a dull moment. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. He's Dave Simone. We'll see you next time. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com.